The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining on the phone is one of the labor leaders from Starbucks Workers United named the Memphis Seven. Nebretta Hardin is here this morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you for having me. One of the really cool things about this particular, well, it's weird that I said that sentence, a cool thing about the pandemic Uh, But one of the things that has happened in the pandemic is that workers and the labor movement have strengthened and become loud. As you sort of reflect on um, this particular moment of history um, in terms of the labor movement, why? Why is that happening now, do you think? Is it the pandemic? Is that just an assumption? Were you... Um, engaged and involved in organizing before the pandemic, and it's just now that people are paying attention. Why now? Why is it happening now, do you think? Um, I definitely think the pandemic spurred it up a little bit. I think it was kind of already there, and the pandemic just kind of helped it along. Um, with only essential workers working, we uh, workers were deemed essential workers because we um, served food. And so, um, coupled with the stress of being an essential worker, I definitely think that that is what uh, gave workers the push to go ahead and uh, join the the labor effort. Um, And this is my first time doing anything labor-related, so I'm a newbie, if you will. No, I I mean, I I think that context is really important. For folks who have not been following closely um, what's been happening at Starbucks, Give us a little bit of the background of how the Memphis Seven um, came to be. Like, how did you how, how did you become known as the Memphis Seven? What happened um, with with you at Starbucks? Yeah, so um, it was seven employees. Um, we all worked at Starbucks in Memphis, and um, we had just uh, filed our position to unionize, and so we did. Um, a news broadcasting with a local news station and Carlos didn't like that we were uh, speaking so boldly uh, about things that they that we needed them to change for us to continue to work for them and so um, they took it upon themselves to go ahead and fire everybody that did those interviews for that TV show um, including some partners that didn't even that wasn't even there for the interview um, that was just in close proximity to us and so, um, actually, someone on Twitter just came to name Mr. Seven, <laughs> and we just thought that sounded really good, so we just took it and kind of ran with it. But um, I mean, they, it'll be in a history book yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think so too. Um, I don't know it's kind of surreal to me to think that everybody thinks that I'm such a big deal, um, or that just in general is. I just feel like I'm an everyday person, you know. So it's kind of crazy. I- well, I, I think, you know, to that point, um, 
I think that you are an everyday person, right? You started by talking about how, um, you know, in the pandemic, essential workers, you know, we were calling people that had to go out in the pandemic, people that still had to sort of keep the lights on, keep the food, um, the, the, the shelves stocked, keep, keep Starbucks open so that people could get their coffee so that we could all, I mean, I think there would probably have been like anarchy if Starbucks had, you know, not been open during the pandemic. I I gotta be honest about that. Um, but also you're open to provide the, you know, all of the food and coffee and all of the things for the people who are essential workers, the people are, who are on their way to and from those essential jobs. Do you feel like even the title essential worker is like a misnomer in, in terms of how we treat you? Yes, uh, definitely. I 100% agree to that because even now to this day with us being fired, people are like, well, oh, you should just, you know, go get a job. They treat us like so poorly. And it's like, well, we did have a job. They fired right. us from it. You had a job. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, yes, I definitely think that like it, it should change those people think because um, during the pandemic, you wouldn't really catch anybody going off or going crazy on a doctor or a nurse. But what, they will do it, you know, to, to baristas. And we're, yeah. we're one and the same. We help each other. So we should have the same respect. I should mention that the, the, the background noise that you, you all may hear right now is Starbucks, right? Because you're at work right now. That's what I heard. Yes. See, so this <laughs> idea that you need to get work. a job, I need people to stop saying that. You know, the labor organizers, yeah. they have a job. <laughs> that That's sort of the whole right. the whole thing is that they, they, they have a job. So so you're at work right now. Um, so I just wanted to mention yeah. that um, so that people understood, <laughs> you know, that we're, you know, you're not just out here organizing. Um, you're working right. and you are an ordinary everyday person. You are you're at your job. Um, what do yeah. workers want and what do they need right now? So if we actually treated essential workers like you as essential what would what, what what would be the kind of resources we would give you? What do you need and want? Um, just people. It's not even much. Just people to be kinder and and nicer um, to us. But we're here to help you or serve you because that's what we want to do and that's what we like to do. And so you shouldn't like take your frustration or anger out on us um, for us trying to get clarification or. Um, just to have a conversation with you. We're, we're here to help you and we want to talk to you. Um, I will also say um, tip your uh, restaurant workers very well. It helps a lot. Most of the time we have to share tips, and so we already don't see um, enough tips amongst each other as is. So those are like two of the main things, just, you know, kind of keep um, cool, calm, collected, and to mm-hmm. tip very very big i i I like that first one because i think that this is something that i think is instilled in me at an early age from my mother um there's so many lessons everybody people can probably uh, that listen to the show regularly like have i have certain mantras my mom would say and they like can quote her now um because you know she she instilled a lot of lessons and she's very repetitive but one of the things and through lines throughout my life is that don't ever Making people feel small is is like the worst thing you could ever do. Making people feel um, insignificant, regardless of the context, but just like the idea that you're better or more important than another human is wrong. Yeah. 
that's wrong. And so, and in, in so many ways, when we go out into the world and we're going into Starbucks to get our coffee, to go to our job, whether that's like a very important CEO or whatever, like it doesn't matter what you do. You're a human being, just like the person who's handing you the coffee cup. That person cares about their family. That, care, that person cares about taking care of the people that they love. That person cares about their health and the health of their loved ones. They have all the same things, you know, sort of driving them um, as as the person who is the CEO. I mean, do you think that in some ways we've we've sort of lost like that point like that every single person you working in Starbucks you know it, when people are coming in to get you know their coffee as they go about their days like we just have to re- re- remind ourselves that like we're all we're all people and and people deserve dignity and and fair treatment don't be a jerk that's basically what i'm saying <laughs> Um, so my next question is, you know, do you, do you have any, you know, feelings about the people who are, um, leading the, the, the corporation that is Starbucks? I mean, do you think that there's a disconnect between them and the actual workforce? Like you that are going in day to day and you're interacting face to face with Americans and, um, you know, you're dealing with the fallout and the lack of resources throughout this pandemic. Do you think there's a disconnect? Do they not hear what you're saying? Do they not see your humanity? Do you think? Um, you said the corporation, the people that the bosses, the bosses. Um, I, I don't really think they do. I think they're starting to see it more now for sure. Now that the organization efforts up, but before definitely not. They, just profited off of us, um, as little, giving us as little as possible. And it's so crazy. Uh, people just can't seem to grasp that Starbucks it could be that type of corporation. Like, usually you hear that about, like, McDonald's workers or Burger King workers. But Starbucks is one of the same. And so um, they, they really just, like, used us and grinded us down um, during this pandemic. Um, we've asked them. And they were really good in the beginning. I can give them that credit. They were good, like, the first two, three months. And then after that, they, they, they let it fly. They never kept up with the promises they would give us. They were wishy-washy going back and forth about what we could and shouldn't do, what they could and couldn't give us. Um, so it, there was nothing really consistent. And so I think that's a lot. That's uh, what brought a lot of partners up was that nothing was consistent. Like at one minute, you could get free food and drink items. And then the next, you couldn't. Well, a lot of people relied on that, on those, like, you know, free food and drink items. And so I do mm-hmm. think there's a big disconnect because they, they see as a uh, free food and drink items as like, yes, we're doing this for you for like working so hard for us. But a lot of people, they can't because they don't pay us more than what we need for like everyday living. Um, people rely on that food to eat right. and they only probably ate that one time a day for that free food and drink item. And then now the company that you busted yourself for day in and day out constantly getting sick for because of COVID uh, cross-contamination that now they're taking that away from you. So now you have like nothing now. They're not paying you more. They're not making it easier for you to pay for their luxury insurance. So you can't even go to the doctor to get help once you're sick. And then they give you grief for calling out because you're sick. And now I can't even get my food or drink. And it's like, you know, you just get to that breaking point. And so that's what I believe a lot of people did. And I just don't think the company sees that as like, okay, yes, that was something you gave us and yes, that was something we needed, but 
you can't just give it to us for two months and then take it away the next. There needs to be some consistency, a contract, if you will. I mean, I think that it's an important point that you're you're making, especially because you're 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 categorized as essential workers. They're saying we need these essential workers back at work because everything else has to function so that you know people that work in offices can stay home. But then right. they're not giving you you know the adequate protection so that you don't get sick. And then when you do get sick, they're not providing you the resources and the help you know so that you can get better and healthy and also feed yourself during those the moments right. where you where you're not able to work. I mean that feels to me. And one of the things here that is is really important to note is that in the context of Starbucks, like, isn't the language you guys use that, like, everybody is a partner, right? You you guys use that language sort of internally, right? So so the idea that, you know, the Memphis 7 or any of the labor organizers within Starbucks are, you know, against Starbucks, I think is that's a misnomer, right? You, you would you would say, like, you work you're at you. You are at Starbucks working right now. You're you are Starbucks. You're not anti-Starbucks you are you work there you're a partner and you want the company to do better right that, that's sort of how you see your position here yes um I currently don't work for Starbucks currently because they have a field I searching so we're just kind of sitting and waiting to see um but I mean I, I want to get back there I want to okay. I, I don't I don't hate Starbucks <laughs> yeah, I, no. I, love what, I love what I do and I, I love working with customers I love making coffee like, that's what I like to do and so um, I just wish they would their management would change that, that's what I don't like is the management um, the inconsistencies the very simple things it's very easy to just fix a coffee machine where partners don't get shocked every time they touch it like, that's a very easy fix mm. that doesn't cost millions of dollars that they're doing to and like to union us against us, like it, they don't have to be paying millions of dollars for all these lawyers to fight us when all we're asking is like, can you fix a coffee machine? Can you fix a towel on the floor so people can stop twisting their ankles? Can we get heaters in our drive-thrus when it's a snowstorm and a blizzard in some cities? Can we get adequate air conditioning in our store because we know our air conditioning is crappy? Can we get security when people come in and try to harass us and threaten us over simple coffee? We're just asking for very simple things and the fact that Starbucks is fighting so hard on these simple things that they 100% can do and can't afford because they are a multi-billion dollar company is ridiculous. It's insane to me. And it's just like, why do you keep fighting? So it's, it's, it's not like we're asking them for too much. We're asking them for stuff that they can provide us and that's very simple and easy fix that will make everybody happy. But the fact that they're fighting so hard and they just keep firing workers just for asking these things it's mm. insane to me. <laughs> and in terms of like, if if you were to get them to, okay, maybe they get, they're having a moment, but then they're like, you know what, we, we're going to do right by our workers, and our partners in a new contract. What, what would you want to see in it, included in it? Union um, contract. I would like, no, yeah. Um, I would like to see um, if we have any broken machinery and we put in a ticket for it, I would like it to be resolved within a week. I would like consistent, um, consistent products coming into our store so that we can stop telling our customers we don't have that, we don't have that for weeks, even months on end. I would like the simplest thing of just making sure we're adequately staffed so where everybody doesn't have to work themselves to death doing three people's jobs. 
um, I would like to see stores get renovated. My store is um, super old, and it used to be a Taco Bell for God's sake. And the only thing they did was just slap a Starbucks logo on it and threw, and threw some coffee in it and called it a Starbucks. Like adequate, like just adequate space, adequate staff. Um, make sure that workers can afford their health care. Yes, their health care is awesome and amazing, top tier, but nobody can afford it, so nobody uses mm. it. Mm. So it, it doesn't, it, it's counterintuitive. So have um, affordable health care, even though it's, it's great, we, we need to be able to afford it and pay for it and, and not take over half of our checks to get it. Um, so those are the things I, I would like to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, all of us, none of those things are like, wild <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, this, no, is, very, this is a very common sense <laughs> list of items um yeah. tr- at, you know that at the start of our conversation we we were talking about this moment in history and it, it's so fascinating to see this not fascinating but it's it's encouraging I think to see a moment in history where workers are are sort of shifting the the power dynamics um a little bit so that they they have collectively um, you know, just as much or more power um, as the smaller group of people, um, the people who are the bosses. Um, when you think about the momentum shift in this particular moment, where I really do think that there is a momentum shift happening in the labor movement, like it, the labor movement is back. Do you do you think that that's because you guys um, you were so burnt out that you just were like, we have no choice? Or do you think it's it's contagious because you also have workers at Amazon plants, you have workers um, at Starbucks around the country, right? You're you're on the you're in yeah. Memphis, but there's Starbucks workers up in New York State. There's Starbucks where you know there's Amazon workers all around the country um, that are doing sort of similar things, right? Raising their voices, asking for fair working conditions, better health insurance, better wages. Um, better treatment. Um, do you talk to them? Is there like a group chat? Um, uh, you don't have to tell me um, if it's a secret one. Um, but but like, do how how much do you speak to the other labor organizers from other companies in, in this moment where there there is this resurgence of the labor movement happening? Um, I talk to them all the time, actually. Um, we don't necessarily have, like, a group chat with the stores, but we do have uh, each other's emails and, like, phone numbers and things of that sort. Uh, Starbucks workers have a way of just finding people and meeting people. And so um, it's, I think it's, I think it's awesome that way. And I don't know how we always kind of figure out who's a Starbucks worker and who's not a Starbucks worker and a sort, like, just, like, seeing them and talking to them. And so um, I think, yeah, we do have an alert chat and we do um, talk to each other constantly to help each other with different things. Do you think it would be harder to do what you're doing if you didn't have those connections with, with them? I mean, I think, I think it's always easier to sort of do something brave when you have a group of people that can do it together. Do you, and, and obviously – the whole idea of collective bargaining and, and labor is this idea that you're coming together with other people. So it isn't surprising to me that you, you're talking to them all the time. It's cool to hear that. Um, but do you think that, um, you know, that momentum will continue to grow? Because the pandemic isn't over, right? And, and many of the issues that 
um, have come up in the pandemic, they're going to still be a problem, whether there's COVID or not, right? Wages, health insurance, all these things are issues that are issues all the time. I think they became exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, and, and certainly the burnout workers are feeling because they're put out in harm's way and they're getting sick all the time. All of these issues become so much more important. Um, but do you think that momentum will continue beyond COVID? Do you think that the labor movement is back and here to stay? Um, I definitely do think it's here back and here to stay. Um, our generation is just different. We have the um, advantage of social media on our side. And so mm-hmm. I just think the pandemic wasn't pushed um, and that it's, it's definitely here to stay, I believe. I mean, it, you, you said, like, I'm part of something that is a lot bigger than me. You're quoted as saying that. And um, and one of the things that, you know, I think a lot about, I mean, it's almost poetic that you're in Memphis. Um, if you, if you know, if you know American history, just because obviously when when Martin Luther King was assassinated, um, he wasn't there, you know, for a protest um, for racial justice. A lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> Do people realize that? Does everybody know that? When Martin Luther King was when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, he was there uh, for a march uh, for workers, for for workers. Um, do you do you think about that history? I mean, you are in Memphis. Do you do you know and think about that history? The fact that you know the march on Washington was a march for jobs and justice. You know, these two things are intimately connected. Um, deeply, deeply related to each other. Do you think about that history at all as you, you know, because you said this is bigger than just you? Um, I do a, a lot. Um, and it's crazy because that was like one of um, the reasons we filed on my team day is because of mm-hmm. that fight because of yeah. his legacy here in Memphis. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that um, people, like, I, I don't know. It's very symbolic, I know, to us. And so that's why I know, like, your Memphis Unionization ever is huge because of that reason. Um, but, yeah, we, we are based on the effort. I know, like, my, my grandfather was a civil rights activist. And so, like, it's in my blood, and I know a couple other of the Memphis blood as well, mm-hmm. to, you know, do this type of work. And so, um, it definitely hits kind of home. Um, and then the fact that, like, we were kind of almost, I don't say outcast, but, like, kind of outcast and sort of the same in a similar fashion. It's so powerful when you say that. And I think even when you mention your grandfather, because my grandfather also was active in the civil rights movement. And so I think it's it's a really cool thing to see uh, the grandchildren of the MLK right. generation and the great-grandchildren of the MLK generation stepping up in this particular moment in American history. My last question is, how can people that don't work um, at Starbucks help the people um, um, unionize? Like, um, even even if it's customers, people coming in. If, if I'm somebody who, I'm on my way to Starbucks right now, this is a morning show, there's probably a lot of people online at the drive-thru at Starbucks, or they got their, you know, app order in. Um, and they're running in to get it on their way to the office. So how can they help as a as a consumer and really just as an American voter, um, your efforts to get better treatment and, and wages and all the whole list um, for workers at Starbucks? 
Um, so I believe that well, first, I always tell people to make sure you talk to your workers first because um, that's what this is all about is doing your coworkers, um, getting the um, best that you can out of the company um, for them to help you because they're obviously not doing it uh, like if you're thinking about unionizing the workplace. Um, so I would just say reach out to like any local labor um, area that you know. Um, you'll be surprised about what people dally into. Some uh, everyday workers may um, may have been a part of the union at some point in their life or their parents and they may have know somebody. Um, so I would go that route. Um, usually there's like um, a couple branches across the country. Um, just, I know for mine, um, I'm under Workers United, and so um, I know Workers United is everywhere in this country. Um, so you can like, go to our webpage um, and email us on StellarHeadersUnited.org, and we can set you up with anybody that we know locally. Um, I know that's what, that's, what, that's what we did. We called uh, StellarHeaders United, and we're like, hey, how do we get involved with this? And they were like, oh, this is Al. So um, that, that's a very big help. Um, just researching and Googling um, mm-hmm. unions near me, like that helps, <laughs> surprisingly, that helps a, a great deal too. Um, so yeah, just make sure that your workplace um, is wants to unionize, that everybody is strongly backing in that because companies definitely um, like the tactic of turning you against each other. And so you need to solidify that bond with each other um, in order for that to not happen. Um, and yeah, just research unions and try to gain as much knowledge as you possibly can because once you start that process, it's almost like war if your boss doesn't just, you know, accept it. You have to make sure you're in an A game, know, you know, your rights and your uh, limitations to certain things. It's really, really important. Um, it was really, really great to have you. I'll let you go back to work because, again, um, you know, the folks that are out there are like, why don't you just get a job? And you're like, I'm at work. And I love that you're, work, you're still working, but you're trying to continue continue to organize and be a labor leader. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. this is all about. Um, Nebretta Hardin of Starbucks Workers United, thank you so much for being here. One of the leaders of the Memphis 7 um, on this week of Labor Day. Um, it's important to have this important discussion. Please stay safe. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlinette. Check in for new episodes every weekday.